Good morning, everyone. Um, can you hear me all right? Can I get a thumbs up? If I can be heard, thank you, wonderful. Uh, as Jobin said, we are carrying on in our series through Ephesians. We are so enjoying the letter to the Ephesians and we're in chapter five and we're looking at a really short passage today. I'm uh, super thrilled. It's like not that many verses. It's verses 15 through 21. So it's like six verses there some quick maths um, for me, it's the extent of all the maths. Uh, we are uh, carrying on then in, in, in Ephesians, and I just want to bring us up to speed with the context, but just uh, spoilers, uh, my title of today's message is Alive and Under the Influence, which will all become clear to us as we go through uh, these verses. So the context that we're in, Paul is writing a letter to believers in uh, Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. Uh, we think that this is maybe a circular letter because it doesn't really contain the personal uh, like details, relationship details that many other of Paul's letters contain. It feels like a sermon uh, that he's giving to, to people and he wants it to be passed around and read around. And so uh, the first three chapters, the first half of the letter, Paul's been really concerned with laying a foundation of identity, who we are in Christ, that we're loved, that we're cherished, that we've been adopted, that we've been chosen to be uh, to be part of God's family through no uh, goodness inherent in ourselves, but rather because of God's great and lavish grace. He's pulled us from a, a state of death and decay and brokenness. He's just pulled us out, as we heard, out of the clay, out of the miry pit and into new life. That's our identity. And so Paul has showered us with our identity over three chapters. And then he's moved on uh, into chapters four uh, through to six to say, well, if that's who we are now because of Christ, because of God, if that's who we are as believers, then now we have behavior. And there's how we're going to behave, how we're going to act and respond to this great grace. And so that's the trajectory of the letter. It starts with our identity and uh, then Paul moves on into the practicalities of our behavior as believers. And so in chapter five, verses 15 to 21, we're smack bang in the middle of this um, behavior, what the new community of believers looks like. And it's worth saying that as we get into chapter four and five and six, there's things that Paul's going to say that if we're new believers, if we're part of the new community, we've been brought from an old uh, way of living into a new way of living, reconciled uh, as uh, different people groups all over the world come together and unite in under Christ. Um, when Paul starts to say, but now this is how we should live, we can get defensive. We can start to think who is Paul to tell us how to live and behave. Uh, and certainly that's how much of our culture thinks of Christianity. We believe in our society at the moment that freedom is being to live, is being able to live however we want, almost regardless of the consequences. But the reality is this kind of living without consequences, without limits, without um, barriers, can lead to destruction, leads to broken lives, broken relationships, pain and suffering, hardship on our lives. It's like what Paul is doing is setting up guardrails at the zoo. So we're free to walk around anywhere we go without the danger of being eaten by lions. 
I can illustrate that really clearly in my day-to-day -day life with Harry. Harry, uh, my son, is one and a half and is doing everything within his power to endanger himself. If he's got metal keys, they're going in the plug sockets. If he's got uh, a battery, finds a battery somehow, he's putting that in his mouth. It's terrifying. Me and Chloe are on a constant anxiety knife edge with him. Um, just during worship, he thought it would be really funny to throw himself off the sofa. Um, but our job as parents is to do two things. First, to secure him in his identity as our child, that we love him unconditionally. It's our, his identity is as the a son of Allard and Chloe. They're my parents and they love me, should be at his heart's core. But the next job that we have is to keep him safe, to keep him alive. And that means to put barriers around his freedom, to, to put limits on what he can and can't do for his safety, for his benefit. And so what Paul is doing in chapters four through six is saying, here's some things that you need to be careful about. Sex, relationships, money, generosity, how we behave ourselves in family units, because it, it, there's, there's, there's dangers there. There's barriers that need to be in place so that you can live safely in your freedom. And so today's passage, Paul is going to just move a little bit away from the, the barriers, the, um, the, the kind of the limits and sort of say, okay, those areas there are really dangerous, but, but the rest of life is, is like, there's so much freedom in how to live. And what do we do as believers with that freedom? How do we conduct ourselves when the choices we need to make are between good and good? When it's not a clear cut, it's not like a prohibition against something. It's not, you know, a, clearly a wrong thing. It could be um, what job to do, where to move, um, what to buy for dinner, what clothes we should be wearing, those types of things. It's not, the Bible doesn't give us specifics on those things. And so how do we navigate ourselves through life? And so what Paul is going to do is uh, in these short passage today is give three contrasting pairs of how we can live and walk with wisdom and so I could have titled this message uh, walking wisely or walking in wisdom so uh, let's read it together and then uh, we'll move uh, through those three contrasting passages so here it is up for you highlighted my main points already so verse 15 this is chapter 5 verse 15 look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I hope you can see there that there are these three contrasting pairs. Walk not as the unwise but as the wise. Don't be foolish, verse 17, but rather understand the will of the Lord. And verse 18, don't get drunk uh, but rather be filled with the Spirit. And then Paul goes on to set to suggest four outcomes, four things that will happen if you're doing the above. If you're walking wisely, 
understanding or discerning the Lord's will and being filled with the spirit, then these things will come about. These things will flow out of you as a natural um, response. So you can see I've structured it. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, how we can walk wisely, discern God's will and be filled with the spirit. And then these four outcomes, these four responses and what will happen as we walk wisely in this way. Uh, great. So the first thing to notice, though, is Paul's first line. Look carefully how you walk. It matters how we live our life. Chapters one to three, Paul has been very clear and specific that we are saved by God's grace through faith alone. Your salvation is secured. It's made possible on the base, basis of Jesus's finished work on the cross. His righteousness is now my righteousness. His good works is now my good works. When God looks at me, he sees the beauty and the goodness and the perfection of Jesus. So my failures, past, present and future, God, he has nailed them to the cross. We read in Colossians, he's put those aside because he's forgiven me and made me righteous in Jesus. But knowing that, having that understanding in my heart means that there's a life change. There's a new life in me. There's a new motivation for me to live a life that pleases the one who saved me. Be like having all your debts cancelled. You then don't go on to get yourself into more debt, hopefully. You change your behaviour. You see that the way I used to live was a pattern of destruction. And so Paul says, walk carefully. Look at how you're living your life. And so his first contrasting pair is to walk wisely. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Walk wisely. And he... Uh, we, we can see uh, that he makes a few observations here and a few characterizations about what walking wisely looks like. The first thing to say is that wisdom or walking wisely isn't about being clever. You might think, oh, you know, you have to go to university or be really good at reading, you know, read all the best books and be able to quote, um, you know, theologians or scholars, that that's what wisdom is. But it, it isn't in scripture wisdom is often associated with craft and being um, like a, an artisan, someone who makes out of a raw material something beautiful. And you're lucky today because you have an artisan in your midst. I've recently taken up woodworking and uh, I can show you this beautiful, uh, well, it's not beautiful yet, piece of uh, rough sawn pine. And uh, I've hold it up close to you. It's not particularly elegant, but a craftsman like myself can make something out of this with a bit of time, a bit of patience, the right tools you can get. Not one, but two doorstop wedges. Here they are. And uh, I obviously can't see or hear the whoops of um, wonder and joy as you see my craftsmanship. Um, but obviously I'm joking. Uh, these were really simple and easy to make. But the, the premise, the idea is that out of a raw material, a piece of wood, you can make objects that have a, a function, a purpose, or, or are particularly beautiful. So think of like um, 
the, the image that we could imagine is, is in the Old Testament in Exodus, when God was giving instructions to Moses about how to build the, the tabernacle and what to put in it. He said, my spirit is going to fill the, the artists, the craftsmen, the woodworkers, the blacksmiths, the, the jewelry makers, so that they can use their skills in a way that um, blesses and, and builds and creates and makes something out of the raw materials, makes something beautiful. That's what Paul's talking about here. And we can see that because of this uh, phrase in verse 16, making the best use of the time. That was a marketplace language in Paul's day. And it had the image of, of, of getting down early to the marketplace. And, you know, when the fish come in off the boats, being there ready to, to, to snap up the good offers. You know, I want that, the big fish, before everyone else comes, I'm, I'm jumping on my opportunity for the best produce. And so Paul is saying, in your life, in your walk, jump on the best opportunities to create something, to make uh, something out of the raw opportunities in your life. And that can be anything. It could be in your place of work. It can be in your relationships, in your friendships. Specifically in the context of the chapter, Paul is talking about using your time in a way that helps you to grow and mature as a Christian. And he says the reason we need to do that, look carefully then how you walk because the days are evil. Friends, we're going to see in a few weeks how a theme through the book of Ephesians is the spiritual warfare that we're in. We're going to see that there is an enemy who it wants to, to rob and destroy and wants to make you less effective as a believer, wants to take away um, your ability to... To, to be effective and to do uh, amazing things with the God-given gifts that you have. That is for, uh, for another time that we'll look more, maybe more into that. But we need to remember today that we're in a battle. And so we need to walk wise and carefully using and making the most of our gifts and our talents uh, to bring love and blessing and peace and joy and hope to those around us. For us as believers, it specifically is referring to sharing our faith. We just saw in the verses before, being a light in darkness. Clearly, the connection here is, uh, is shining a light in many different ways. You don't need to be clever to do it. You don't need to have uh, a degree. You just use what God has given you to the best, make the most of every opportunity. But how do we know when an opportunity comes? How do we know what the opportunities we should follow are? And that's the next um, contrasting pair that Paul speaks into. Don't be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. In other words, discern God's will. What Paul is talking about here is so important. We, we get uh, caught up in a daze when it comes to God's will because we, we think often that it's this you know, who shall I marry? Who should, what job shall I do? And, and we're looking for a point on a map. Whereas it isn't really like that in scripture. There are certainly some things that are very clear. And we've seen those, those are those barriers, those limits that we've seen a bit earlier on and we can read in the New Testament. You know, it will never be God's will for me to enjoy sex outside of the covenant relationship of marriage. That will never be God's will. We, we see that in scripture. It's clear as day. We shouldn't do that. It leads to death. I will make shipwreck of my faith if I'm pursuing sex, sexuality outside of the way God has crafted and, and, and created it to, to function in purity and in holiness. But 
in all the areas of our life, in, in different places, there's choices to be made. How do I know what's pleasing to God? And so we could go to the analogy I used earlier of Harry. We've got the stair gate up to stop him throwing himself down the stairs. But inside his room, he's got freedom of choice to choose to play with the Duplo or to get his books and read a book quietly or to get all his stuffed toys and pile them up. He's got freedom. And as his father, it pleases me to see him being creative and, and flourishing as a child and learning things as he plays and experiments with his toys. I'm not going to prescribe what he needs to do and how he needs to do it. And it's the same with God for us. He gives us a measure of freedom to explore and to flourish as humans as we make choices. And we have a, 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 an amazing promise that we can grow in discernment. We saw actually only a few verses before in, in, uh, verses, in verse 10 of chapter 5. He says, try and discern what's pleasing to the Lord. So this is something that we can do. We can grow in our discernment of what is pleasing to the Lord. How can we do that? And I think that's what the third uh, contrasting pair is. If you follow, there's a, there's a progression. Make the most of your life. How? By discerning what Lord's will is. How? Well, by being filled with the spirit. Don't get drunk but be filled with the spirit. Now, this verse has uh, got a history behind it, and there's different church contexts that might use this verse differently or, or, or use this to explain something uh, or, or to describe an experience. And I think it's not what Paul is saying here. He's not saying that being drunk is like being filled with the spirit or that being filled with the spirit should look like, feel like, or you would behave like as if you were drunk. It's not a comparison of experience here. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit actually uh, gives gifts to us today. I believe we see that clearly in scripture, things like speaking in tongues and prophetic words, uh, as well as uh, hospitality and encouraging one another. Uh, there is a gifts today from the spirit but that's not what Paul's interested in here it's not fully really what he's talking about as he's talking about how we live in wisdom and how we walk wisely Paul is comparing the experience of being drunk and the experience of being filled with the spirit like this he's saying when you're drunk you're under the influence of alcohol alcohol affects how you behave it causes you uh, to ignore the consequences of your actions. If perhaps you've ever been drunk or been around people who get drunk, you realise that we make stupid decisions when we're drunk. Alcohol causes you to make poor choices or rather stops you making the good choices. And so Paul is saying that don't numb yourself to the consequences of your actions, but rather come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that they are opposite experiences. Whereas the, the experience of alcohol as a, as a depressant, if you look in a medical journal, you'll see alcohol is uh, under the depressants. It, it suppresses our, uh, our thought processes. It suppresses our ability to make good judgments. The Holy Spirit, however, is like a, like a stimulant. He, his presence, his influence in our life, allows us to make better decisions, allows us to make the most of our potential. 
going back to that uh, that definition of wisdom of of taking raw materials and crafting something beautiful the holy spirit allows us to really uh, to like supercharge our skills and our gifts to make something that is going to uh, bless those around us the influence then of the holy spirit uh, is, is what we're seeking rather than an experience. The illustration I would use is like this. Chloe, as my wife, uh, has a great influence on me. In fact, since marrying Chloe, I've been made much more aware than ever before of all my um, ways in which I could be more like Jesus. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I can hear her laughing downstairs. But her influence on my life has meant that I've changed and grown and matured as a human being and as a believer because she's spoken into me. One example, just one of the countless examples I could give, one example is the way I speak. I remember early on in our relationship, she pointed out that I have a harsh and can be a, a, like a, a sharp way of speaking, a tone of voice that I put on that is cutting and hurting. And she was able to speak that into my life. And of course, I completely rejected it and denied what she was saying for quite some time. And it took, um, but, but you see that what I'm saying here is that her influence on my life, speaking into me, causes change. Now, as we are open to the spirit, what happens is what she said coincided with another friend, Emil, who basically said the same thing about my way of speaking. And I thought, oh man, you know, where two or three are in there, you know, coming together. And then it, it all came to a head at Devoted, which is a, a conference, a, a Christian festival that we uh, were able to go to back in the pre-COVID days. Um, we're, with our church family, Christ Central, we, we met together and there was a big tent. And I remember walking in through worship and I can't remember the exact way around, way about how it happened, but as I walked in, I was reminded of what, what Chloe had said and, and to a certain degree what Emil had said as well, but the spirit dropped it on my heart. I don't know if it was in the worship or just out of nowhere, but I was broken for my words and the way I spoke. And at that moment, I cried out to the Lord and said, would you change this, affect me, make the way I speak, build people up, not cut people down. Now, crucially, there's plenty of scriptures that talk about uh, how we speak matters and the words we say and the way we say it, how it's so important that we that we reflect on and uh, make changes to make it like improve on the way that we speak to one another, that we speak to people in love and in kindness and um, build people up, not bring them down. Very simple. That's in scripture. But it was that it was my relationship with other people it was my proximity to them that allowed them to influence me and so it's the same with the holy spirit and know the holy spirit is a person not a substance so when he says be filled with the spirit here he's not saying go to the petrol station and get filled with diesel it's not like that it's about putting yourself in close proximity to or opening yourself up to what the spirit is saying we see that because in in the parallel in a parallel passage in Colossians, we think, by the way, that Colossians was written by Paul at the same time as he wrote Ephesians. And the letter to the Colossians is a specific word to the church of Colossae. 
But um, we think because it's very similar that perhaps Paul wrote Colossians and then said, oh, there's some really good stuff here. I'm going to expand on it and write a more general letter for those churches in the area. And then he wrote Ephesians. But in, in Colossians, it says this. And as you read it, see how similar this is to the passage we, we're looking at. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So clearly in Paul's mind, being filled with the spirit is similar to allowing the word of Christ to dwell in, your, to dwell in you richly. And that makes sense, doesn't it? In chapter six, we're gonna see how uh, the sword of the spirit as part of the armor of God, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So one of the ways that we can be open to the influence of the Holy Spirit is through the Bible, is through reading God's word and allowing it to dwell in our hearts richly, allowing uh, God's word to, to speak to us. And then the other way is these uh, four things. Very briefly, we don't have time to expand on them, although I'd love to addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs clearly that's one of the ways in which the influence of the spirit can impact our lives but it only works if you open yourself up to that influence by spending time with other believers and allowing them the the act the access through relationship to speak to your life if i if i am away from chloe if i ignore her if i don't listen to what she says i won't grow and develop and change so as we, uh, as we want to be open, as we want to walk, wise, walk in wisdom, walk wisely and understand the will of the Lord, it's through a process of opening ourselves to the influence of the spirit. How? By, by reading his word, by um, you know, making the most of our time to become familiar with him, to, be, uh, to, to discern what's pleasing to him through reading, through prayer, Asking God in the morning, in the day, Lord, help me to make the most of today. Help me to use my gifts to help uh, my friends and colleagues and family members to flourish in their life. Help me, Lord, to make the most of every opportunity to bring uh, your kingdom here in Gothenburg or Whitehaven or Cockermouth or wherever you are. But then we then need to be willing to address one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We need to be open to uh, contributing into each other's life. And we need to be able to submit, verse 21, to each other, allowing each other to speak into our hearts. That's why his discipleship is so important that we see one another. These interest groups, they're there so that we can be open and speak to one another so that we can have contact time in the situation we find ourselves over Zoom and the internet. So my encouragement this morning is to use your time wisely and open yourself up to the influence of the spirit, either by getting stuck into to the Bible or um, in surrounding yourself by people who are going to influence you in spiritual ways, who are going to speak the truth of, 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 of God and, and of scripture into your life. And then the outcomes, of course, are that we would 
we will, if we're spirit filled, we will address one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. We'll make melody to the Lord with our heart. That's praise and worship. Such a key cornerstone of what we do as a, as a fellowship, as a community of believers. We worship God and giving thanks. This morning we gave thanks for God, for who he is and for what he's done. And we'll submit to one another. That's so important as we carry on the rest of this chapter. We'll see that Paul wants to unpack that that very powerful uh, piece of scripture. He wants to unpack it now in the next couple of verses as he looks at what submission looks like in the marriage, in the family, in the workplace. So important. But we need to be first willing to and able to see that submitting to one another is part of how we open ourselves up to the influence and the filling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life. So I'm going to just very quickly pray and then we're going to sing an amazing hymn, um, Be Thou My Vision or You Are My Vision. And I want to pray the first verse over us. Lord, you are our vision. Be our vision this morning, King of my heart. Nothing else satisfies only you, Lord. You're my best thought by day or by night waking and sleeping your presence your influence your indwelling uh, spirit is our light lord god i pray would you come and dwell amongst us as a community lord help us walk wisely as your new community your new family here in gothenburg or around the world help us to walk in a way that brings a uh, great beauty and joy and hope and human flourishing to the situations you've put us in. Help us to uh, contribute to one another's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>